Hi, I'm Ben. And I'm Lucas. And we are two aspiring filmmakers making unnecessary commentary on famous movies. Each week, we will randomly select a film to analyze, discuss, and review. We will select the film at the end of each podcast, so you will have ample time to watch the movie before the next episode. We are slightly qualified film students. Hello, hello. Happy New Year's, yo, yo, everyone. Yo. Happy yeah. New Year's. Welcome to 2021, first episode of the new year. And uh, we got a pretty good one mm-hmm. to start it off. Oh, yeah. The Place um, Beyond the Pines. Yeah. This is a... My first time watching this. This is an indie film that came out in 2012 uh, with a wide release in 2013. Uh, it's directed by Derek C. in France, who is the director of other films such as Blue Valentine and uh, The Lights Between the Oceans, I believe it's called, which came out a few years ago. Yeah. Um, Pretty and, notable independent film director. Yes. Got some. Got a pretty good catalog. And it stars Ryan Gosling, Bradley Cooper, Ava Mendez, Dane DeHaan, Ben Mendelsohn, Rose Byrne, Mahershala Ali, and Ray Liotta. That is a star-studded yeah, cast was, right there. This was like uh, Ali before he was Ali. This mm-hmm. was pre-Moonlight. Yeah. I was actually really surprised when I saw him. At first I was like, <laughs> is that? I was like, oh, damn. I didn't realize he was in this. And uh, for, Also for, Ray Liotta. Yeah, Ray Liotta. <laughs> I mean, he is just, anytime there's a crooked cop in a film, you gotta get Ray Liotta there. Uh, yeah, but like for a little indie film, this is a crazy cast. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. I mean, Ryan Gosling already had a relationship with him from Blue Valentine. Yeah. And there's an interview where uh, Ryan Gosling says that this was the movie he had the most fun working on. Yeah, of his entire career. I was watching an interview with Derek uh, C. in France, the director, and he said that before Mm -hmm. he even did Blue Valentine, he met with Gosling to discuss uh, Blue, but they uh, were, ended up, he asked Ryan Gosling, like, what, what his dream is, like, what's something he really wants to do, and Ryan Gosling said that he always wanted to rob a bank, Um, and then Mm. the director was like, oh, whack, I'm actually making a, uh, writing a script right now about a bank robber. So, because he had this script in production way before he even filmed Blue Valentine, he, he this was a, he said he worked 12 years on The Place Beyond the Pines. This movie, like, I was watching it the, for my first time, and kind of the, the twists, you know, how it goes from each character, and, like, it has, like, that three-act structure where first it's Ryan Gosling, second is Bradley Cooper, and then third is the kids. I, like, totally did not see that coming, and... I loved it. Yeah, this movie takes the three-act structure very seriously. Very seriously. Um, um, which I kind of like about it. it in some ways, but, but I also thought it uh, limited it in some ways for me. Um, it feels kind of like a stage play. It has a very like poetic Shakespearean vibe yeah. to it, and it feels like... It feels like you're watching a theater production because it has that three-act structure, and it's very, uh, you know, it's a very character-driven film. Uh, you could you could take each uh, act of the film as an individual character study because yeah especially I feel like Bradley Cooper's character there's so much to dissect in um, everything his character is going through yeah but at certain points I just kind of I I just think that some characters I felt way more invested in than others per se so uh like, when I was done watching it, I kind of felt like, oh, man, I wish I'd seen more of this instead of 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll get more into that uh, during the actual review. But overall, mm-hmm. I think that this, yeah, this 3X structure kind of deal worked out very well for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's a really cool idea. And uh, he executed it pretty well. Um, and it does everything pieces together quite nicely. And when it kind of unfolds before you, it's really satisfying. Mm-hmm. To, uh, I, f- I felt like watching it a second time knowing what was going to happen had a very different impact of watching it because uh, you go into it expecting you know what's going to happen and you get to yeah. kind of you're, you're more watching each act knowing that it's going to end eventually and you're more um, I guess invested in those characters because you're you know that you right. don't have those two hours to um, to watch their characters unfold you have you know, 50 minutes. So I thought that right. it was definitely a different experience watching it for my second time. But anyway, I'm going to do a quick plot summary. This is just what I pulled off of Google. Um, a stunt rider turns into a robber in order to live a happy life with his child and lover and grabs the attention of a police officer. They both get on a con- collision course that affects their families. Now, this is a really dull plot summary because that's more yeah. of a summary of the first act. Um, which and I guess is the I point. actually love that because when I was going in, that's all I had heard about it. Like I had literally basically I had never heard of this film until the wheel landed on it. Yeah. Um so I was going into it thinking maybe Ryan Gosling was gonna like rob banks and then Bradley Cooper was gonna like be hunting him down. But then yeah. it just totally shocked me when th- th- Bradley Cooper kills Ryan Gosling. I was like, Oh my god. Whoa. Like, Bradley Cooper and Ryan Gosling and only have, like, one scene together. And it's not even a scene. It's literally... It's not even a scene, yeah. Yeah, he just um, kicks down the door and so shoots it, him. it totally shocked me. And I think it, it it benefits this film if you went in without knowing anything. So I guess, huge spoiler warning. Uh, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, I really hope that you've seen this film. Because I definitely wouldn't want to ruin that experience. Because I feel like you kind of need to watch this film blind in order to get the full value out of it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess moving on to the standout scenes. Um, for me, like, the car chase, oh, yeah. uh, where Bradley Cooper and the other, like, random extra cop are chasing Ryan Gosling. Oh, dude, it's, like, literally... it's. It's probably my new favorite car chase. Like, oh yeah, definitely. I loved it. It's it so artistic so and good. stylized. It's how it so was like filmed good. with one shot through the window shield of the car. Yeah, I know, one shot, and you're following the character. And I love how you know it's like a police guy, so he's uh, giving you the play by play kind of. Yeah. Um, and obviously Ryan Gosling's stunt double is just ripping through this. Yeah, graveyard. that that part where he runs into the car backing out of the driveway apparently he was going 70 um 70 kilometers an hour and he just like went flying into that car that was backing up and like and they Um, did that all in one shot so they couldn't fake it they couldn't fake it because it's one shot it doesn't yeah that's the thing i noticed with this film a lot uh there's some really long shots in this thing but yeah all the stunt stuff is normally filmed in like one take like even when ryan gosling uh, robs the bank and he it goes wrong you know like he forgets to put on yeah it's all one the take. glasses that's one shot even him driving out into traffic yeah yeah uh, that was gosling so i was so like they that was gosling they, um, so. he gave 
they had their stunt rider who um he's a very um well-known stunt he did the batman stunts and everything but he was the motorcycle stunt rider and they just had him and he trained ryan gosling for eight weeks before they filmed this movie and ryan gosling had never really ridden a motorcycle before and in that eight weeks he had to be ready to basically go full speed into four uh lanes of traffic and cut through these cars and then go like like go right through a red light with like cop cars chasing him and he had to do that the stunt double couldn't do that because of the one take because the one take but obviously um you can tell when it is gosling they're being extra careful i want to say yeah like when it's the when it's the stunt driver chasing the stunt biker they're like really close together but when it's bradley cooper Mm -hmm. driving after gosling there's like you can tell that there's some extra space like Bradley Cooper yeah. also slows down way before he gets close to him. Um, yeah. Because obviously they needed the two actors to actually be driving the car. But, you know, that's just kind of how they, it's going to be. Um, they re- they rehearsed that scene so many times and they went on like a race car track and just rehearsed that scene over and over again where Bradley Cooper would sit in the car and uh, Derek C. and France would sit in the passenger seat. And Ryan Gosling would just, like, go around the track on the motorcycle and Bradley Cooper would just chase after him in a car. And then they had to practice, like, the the collision and him braking so that he didn't, like, run into him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and all that practice paid off, man. That was a yeah. seriously good car chase. That That is my standout scene. Um, for an indie film to be able to pull off this action sequence like this, and have it feel like it's straight out of a high-budget action film is super impressive to me. Um, yeah. Because, you know, when I was getting into this film, like, even though he is a daredevil, I was expecting Blue Valentine, like, heavily relying on just, you know, a lot of dialogue to kind of keep you entertained. But this thing has some seriously intense uh, action oh, elements yeah. to it. This is, like, and, the perfect uh, um, like the perfect mash between Blue Valentine and Drive. It's got that action and yeah. intensity, but it also has that I, raw I emotional drama. Like, yeah, I, I, I know you love Blue Valentine, but I like this way more than Blue Valentine. Um, mm-hmm. I just thought it was more interesting. Yeah, because uh, I'm not the hugest dramatic romance kind of guy, you know. But mm-hmm. I think this was done really well, and it, you know, kept me entertained uh, throughout the whole thing. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, my standout scene. Well, I was I was trying to decide because I figured you were probably gonna do one of the bank robbing scenes because they're just like, you know, such they're an good. amazing craft. Um, so I I decided between two scenes that are both fairly smaller scenes in the film that I feel a lot of people are gonna glimpse over when they watch this movie. But uh, the first one I want to talk about is. Uh, the crib scene. So there's a sequence where yeah. Ryan Gosling goes into um, Kofi's house, Mahershala Ali's house, uh, when him and Ava Mendes are out, and he builds this crib that he's just bought with his stolen money for his for his baby. Um, and that scene, it's it's so simple, and it also shows so much depth in who his character is, and how it's edited, yeah. and how just the overall ensemble performance as Ava Mendes and Mahershala Ali come back. And uh, Kofi is confronting Luke as they're in the scene together. And then how the cuts keep getting quicker and quicker and quicker until 
um, Luke explodes and knocks him over the face with the wrench. Um, and then um, how it just yeah. how it concludes with just ends with this tracking shot. So all of a sudden everything's de-escalated. Um, he takes his baby, and he walks out in this one long tracking shot and sits on the porch and, and waits for the police to the come. Porch. And waits for the police to come. Yeah. And that that says so much about his character and just this like two minute scene. Um, we see you know how much how much he wants to be there for this child, but he doesn't know how. It also shows his anger, his um, how, his his quick impulses, how he, um, you know, he, he doesn't really think things through before doing it. And that that's definitely connected to, you know, the final bank robbing scene where he ultimately dies. Um, and I think that this is just a really well-crafted scene, both acting, editing, and cinematography. It's just really a really powerful sequence that I didn't think a lot of people would maybe uh, catch when watching this film. The other one for me right. is the ice cream scene. I just love that scene so much. Um, oh yeah! It's like a simple, simple montage of just um, Ryan Gosling. One of the many points I was uh, tearing up. Yeah, Ryan Gosling and Ava Mendes uh, with their with their baby, and he, they're giving him ice cream for the first time. Ryan Gosling, as the character of Luke, wants to see his baby's uh face when he first tastes ice cream so they take him to this corner store and give him ice cream but it's just this like very simple montage with beautiful heartbreaking music over top of the scene um and they get uh like a stranger to take a picture of them but it's it's just such a powerful scene with Ava Mendes crying as they're taking the picture even though they're in a happy moment she knows that this isn't gonna last and that's also what's so impactful of the scene and it really shows their chemistry and that they did have something well, before I mean, everything went down. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, then I love how that scene is echoed later in the movie where you have um, Mahershala Ali and Dane DeHaan, who Dane DeHaan plays uh, Ryan Gosling's son, but when he's like 16. Jason. Um, yeah. Jason, yeah. And they they have that conversation where Kofi tells Jason about his father and it's set in the same corner store. It's set where that ice cream scene took same place. Same place, and they're eating ice cream. Yeah, and they're eating ice cream, and it's, that's, that's like the echo. That, and this movie does that a lot throughout, where it kind of echoes There's different of shots teeth, and stuff yeah. that we've already seen before. And it shows, you know, destiny, fate, um, and it shows how things that characters have done in the past still impact people years and years afterwards mm-hmm. and that's a ongoing message that's presented throughout this film so those are the two scenes that uh really stood out for me yeah good choices um yeah like the ice cream scene one of the many points i was tearing up in this thing uh i am an easy movie crier i tend to cry a lot <laughs> uh when it's like a sad movie but yeah this thing i wasn't uh I, I kept my composure, but, you know, a few tears were shed. Uh, and that's, yeah. a great, that's a good thing. It's definitely what is an intended, so... The scene yeah. that got me that I wasn't expecting at all, um, it, was a, it wasn't even a scene, it was a shot. And it was when Jason goes back to the, like, the house where Ben Mendelsohn Bro, is. you know when I cried? Is when he's... The parallel shot when he's riding his bike. Yeah, that's the shot I'm talking about. That's... The, yeah, dude, we cried on the yeah, same shot. Where, <laughs> where Ben Mendelsohn gives him the sunglasses and he puts them on. He's like, oh, you're, you're calling him back. And then it cuts to the same drone shot of him riding his bike down the same road. I know. With I, the same I music. Cried. I oh, was like, that damn. Just, 
it was so oh. it hurt it was so it, it, it broke hurt. my heart and i you know yeah. i watched the first time i watched this film was years ago like three or four years ago so watching it again even though i remembered the overall storyline there were a lot of plot points that i totally forgot about and it was moments like that that just hit so hard it really yeah, is. that was like my uh my main tearing up moment yeah like there were some other points where you know i was I was like, oh damn, that's it's pretty sad. But that was like, oh, that hit me, mm-hmm. hit me deep. And it's like, um, it's not even sad. It's just there's something. It's like not sad. Sentimental. I don't even know what it yeah. was. It's just it choked me up. It yeah, same here, man. Same here. Uh yeah, should we hop into our review? Yeah, let's take a quick break and then we'll just hop into the real review of this thing. Okay, we are back. All right. Um, we're yes. going to hop into the review. So, okay, uh, yeah. yeah, first up, first off, we're going story and originality, uh, which is out 10%. Yeah. So what do you think? This is your first time watching it. Yeah, so I think this is a really creative story, um, and it's definitely super original. However, I think that it kind of starts off a little bit weak for me um and just emotionally i wasn't really that attached to luke at first um to be honest i was like getting hit in the feels with this movie is when i got attached to a character and then you know something bad happened to them but with luke i just that wasn't really uh like i didn't really um, care about him as much as I probably should have when all this stuff was happening at, like I'm talking like the first 30 40 minutes but in terms of the story I was just it's impossible not to get hit in the feels during this thing uh it's just such a sad story it's so original in the fact that it's so unpredictable like this is one of the films you go into reading the plot synopsis thinking you know where it's going to go but it it just keeps turning and changing and you're you're constant like there wasn't a moment in this film that I was like I knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, even just the simple things, like when um, Dane DeHaan and Emery are, uh, they get arrested. They get busted for, um, you know, getting Molly from that guy. Like, it's just so sudden and unpredictable, and it changes the course of the entire film. Yeah. Like, it's little things uh, like that, and they just keep throwing them in that it, it makes this film so unpredictable. Yeah. And uh, I do really like the whole, you know, three-act structure that we kind of already touched on where it's switching between the characters um and just the only like issue i have with that is with bradley cooper's character i cared about him personally but i don't know to me he he got the most uh screen time out of the three arcs by actually quite a bit and i don't know like to me, just the contrast between going from kicking ass and, like, robbing banks to, like, the corrupt police work, um, I guess I wasn't really as invested in, you know, his fight to become a attorney general or whatever. Like, I was super invested in what he had going on mentally yeah. after you yeah, know, killing agree. a guy. I love the thing with Bradley Cooper and how he was... The thing that was really affecting him was 
that Luke had a son, the same age as his son. So yeah. the whole thing where every time he looks at his son, you know, you can tell in his eyes that he... And then that moment where he picks up Luke... I mean, no, Jason, when he picks up Jason from the crib when they're looking for the money. Yeah. And he holds Powerful. him in his hands and he's looking at him. Like, there's so much going on in his mind. And yeah, I agree that the Attorney General race and stuff is not all that interesting uh, compared to the rest of the film. But all of the other stuff that's going on with his character is what drives that that act, I think. Yeah. But I do agree that and, I think uh, the second act is the weakest that, of the three acts. That's not to say that... Um, I wasn't entertained during that part, but I was more just now that I already knew that this film was willing to take risks such as, you know, killing off what I thought was going to be the main character, you know, bold choices like that. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I was more just waiting kind of during the second act for what was going to come. And yeah, I was rewarded. I loved the third act of this thing with the kids. Overall, this thing is super, super original. Uh, and I love that it wasn't afraid to take those risks with the story. And it totally pays off for a rich story that had me super invested by the end. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the character development in this film is fantastic. And I think that, yeah, you know, there are very few movies that are able to kill off what was supposed to be their main character, not even halfway through the film, a third of the way through the film and keep it going in an entertaining way. I mean, I don't think a film... I've seen a film do that, except for maybe Psycho. Like, there aren't many films out there that that can do that, like, in a smart way that works for the film. And just for that, I mean, originality is so up there. And, yeah, I agree with you. I give it a 9 out of 10%. Yeah. So let's hop into Beginning, which is out of 5%. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I guess for me, when I was thinking the beginning, I wasn't thinking of the whole Ryan Gosling act, more just the first, um, like, 20, 30 minutes. Oh, I was thinking, like, the first 15 minutes, 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I thought it was pretty weak. Uh, like, not technically, but I just think that it moved super quickly into Luke's relationship with Ro. Yeah. And I I just, it was so sudden that it took me a very long time to get invested in their relationship. But in terms of like actually the first scene at the carnival, I I liked the super long. I love that first shot. Opening shot shot with the credits. Uh, I have no idea how they switched to the stunt double. It was really quick. Yeah, I think, oh man, the first shot of this film is really fantastic. I mean, for me, I've always said the ending is more important to me, but how you open a film, and when I say open, I mean like the first shot, how you present your film to an audience, it's the hook. And this film, yeah, it's a really brilliant way to not only show who your character is, um, but also just you know, cinematography and everything. This shot is fantastic. And they walked through a real fair. Like those weren't extras. Those were just people. So they just walked through because they wanted that honest, earnest reaction because Luke is supposed to be this daredevil. Yeah. Um, But Uh, this, this, that shot is just fantastic. And I love how it shows off all of his tattoos and like the hidden meanings between all of them behind all of them. And, and yeah, that's, I didn't even look into that. That switch off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So his face tattoo, you know, he has that uh, bloody dagger uh, next to his eye. Blood, yeah. 
that was Gosling's choice before they filmed. He was like, I think I'm going to get a face tattoo. And Derek C. in France was like, nah, that, I, don't, I don't know about that. That's a, very, um, that's a very big choice. And he was like, no, I'm going to do this. So he went and got the fake tattoo, which stays on for a couple months. Um, and then after he got it, he instantly regretted it. He was like, no, I think we have to take this off. This is going to distract from my performance and stuff. And Derek C. in France was like, no, you got the tattoo. You're going to keep it on because when people get face tattoos, they eventually probably regret it. So you're going to be in that film. And it really shows, like, if you think about the church scene where he goes to see his son getting baptized, you can see how embarrassed he is because everyone else is there in their Sunday best. And he's sitting there with all his tattoos and his face tattoo. And he just looks so awkward and like sad. And I mean, there's so Mm -hmm. many hidden emotions in there, but that that's also just the fact that he probably did feel kind of insecure to have that tattoo on his face for two months as he's walking around in public. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty cool. But, yeah, the, I think that the first scene, I agree with you, it goes a little quickly after we get through that first shot. I did like how they showed his character, like, you know, when he's signing autographs for the kids and it shows, like, his handwriting. It shows you yeah. immediately what kind of character he is, um, his overall intelligence. And I thought that... Not very high. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh but yeah, I, it does. Yeah, I, I like it introduces that, but... everything a little too quickly. Him and Ava Mendez, like it's pretty, like yeah. boom right away. Um, but I did like that. Um, I the thing I like about the opening is even though it's quick, all the dialogue is very, very realistic. Like That's it true. sounds like actual conversations people would have. It doesn't sound scripted, and that's partially the writing and also partially the performances. But I think that helps the beginning. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, I gave it a 3% mm-hmm. out of 5. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I did think it was pretty weak, especially just because while I was watching it too, I was like, oh God, like, is this going to be how the whole film is? Like, that's kind of what I thought to myself as I was watching like the first 15 minutes because um, I don't want to say Gosling's performance is like, uh, cringy because it's actually a really great performance but just to be hit with this like super edgy not edgy but you know lone rangery kind of character right off the bat i was just like whoa okay um so yeah three percent i thought they could have honestly just taken some time out of bradley cooper's section and just put some more onto the beginning and boom keep the same length and you got yourself a better structured film but Yep. Yeah, overall, it wasn't the worst, and I did really like the opening shots. So yeah, 3%. Yeah, I, I gave it a 3% also. Uh, let's move on to the ending. Um, I really love the ending. Uh, yeah, me too. Film. I think it's a really nice ending. And I like how poetic this ending is, and I really tried to analyze this ending because there is a lot to analyze in it. I mean, if you just watch it point blank, it, it, it's a very it feels like a very basic ending when you're just watching it because everything kind of wraps up. But if you really kind of analyze it and um, compare and contrast it to the first scene, there's a lot to look at in this ending. Yeah, and uh, I really love um, the fact that he, uh, the character Jason, it's it's just kind of like he inevitably becomes one with luke almost and just you can like you can from the moment you first see him to that final shot of him riding away 
it's just like he transforms kind of into his father he even like you know gets the sunglasses and stuff i really love that yeah that kind of poetic resemblance between jason and his father uh and all the scenes with aj and jason i just loved watching it um they had really good chemistry as like just working off the of each two other kind of friends but like they could still fight each other at any second yeah it's like this super weird friendship but it totally works um yeah the yeah. like when i'm looking at the ending scene so when he gets his motorcycle and rides off into the distance like there's something oh, if you man. if you think about the opening the opening shot of this film where we have gosling getting onto a motorcycle if you look that looks very similar to the motorcycle jason gets yeah on. they're both you know red and and white. he rides ryan gosling rides into a cage right so this is very metaphorical if you're looking at it he rides into a cage um just like how his life is going to lead him down this path and then eventually to death whereas if we look at jason's character he rides off into the distance into freedom away from his town to you know this is where the title card comes into play the place beyond the pines because this entire film is surrounded by pine trees um, and all of the events that occur, like the impactful events occur in like a pine tree forest. And you yeah. see in the final shot, he's riding um, away from this this grove of pine trees to the place beyond the pines. And that's very poetic yeah. because you're looking at the comparison between the two characters of Luke and Jason and how they are very closely connected. But also they're going to go hopefully down a different path. There's also something really ambiguous about this ending and the fact that we don't know what's going to happen to Jason's character because he has just, you know, kidnapped a police officer, like assaulted his his uh, his son. Yeah. So like, we can assume charges pressed on him. Yeah. And he we can assume that there's people looking fugitive. for him. Yeah. Yeah. So there is something ambiguous to that fact. Yeah, he's but running away. I felt that this film didn't overstay its welcome. It ended at a nice time, and I really love how it it just stayed on that final frame of him riding off into the distance. And you have that very like nice folky song play as yeah, he's just riding like off. And it choice. stays on it that a great song. It stays on that shot. Yeah. 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 There's that line in the, in the final scene where the guy says, have you ever ridden one of these things? And then he just doesn't, and he respond just doesn't respond bikes off. Like I was like, Oh yes. Like, yeah. damn, that was like the standout line of the film low key. Cause yeah. Oh man, that I just love that. Um I gave it a 4 out of 5. Yeah. I gave it a 4 out of 5 too. And the only thing that I felt um was missing in the scene was I wasn't I didn't feel that the whole Avery winning, you know, that whole accept, acceptance part where he wins his um he becomes he, he becomes the attorney, attorney general yeah. of New York. I didn't feel that that was necessary or it could have been a lot quicker and then they could have just added like an extra minute or two into either the aftermath of um the attack on his son and on Bradley Cooper. I feel like we could have had a bit more of an aftermath to that or yeah, one singular scene between Ava Mendes and Mahershala Ali after they realize their son has ran away and you know, he gives he gives Ava Mendes that picture that's another thing i love about the scene he sends her that picture of her and luke yeah, and baby that's Jason another at time the, i started yeah. crying <laughs> but i feel like that could have been um a little longer and we could have seen her emotion um from receiving that and maybe just a little scene between her and mahershala ali i feel like that would have right. been more impactful than avery winning 
So that's the only reason I wouldn't have been able to see it because I was crying too much. (laughs) Yeah, that was the only reason. I also love how it like gets more folded. Like, oh, it's just it's a good picture. How she's covering her eyes too. Yeah. Or he's yeah he's covering her eyes as she's crying. Oh, yeah, I love Um, it. Yeah, four to five, well deserved. All right, screenplay and dialogue. This is at eight percent. Uh, yeah, I. Overall, I think this is a great screenplay. Um, but once again, the beginning, uh, the problems I thought I that I had with the beginning are kind of also applicable to the screenplay. Um, I thought the dialogue was like a little unbelievable at the start. Um, I agree with you that overall the dialogue is super realistic, but just in that first interaction they have, where she's like, do you even remember my name? I was kind of like, oh my god, this is like too cool guy. Has a lot of lovers, but... Um, <laughs> like, I just thought it was a bit overdramatic at yeah. first. But then yeah. I kind of sunk into the groove of like, okay, I'm watching this kind of movie. Like, let's get into it. I Honestly, like, even though I don't like the act two with Bradley Cooper as much, I think some of his scenes are the best written. Uh, the, yeah. the scene that I thought stood out the most was the the scene where him and his dad are in the pool. Uh, I yeah. thought that scene was written masterfully. Like I thought that was the best yeah. written scene in the whole film. Or even uh, that scene uh, with him and his with the uh, psychiatrist, the counselor. Yeah, I thought that was a super really, it was really nice good scene. too. Yeah, um, really, just all the scenes, even because you, it's written in a way that uh, you get the sense for his character and how he does not really believe in. Uh, the corrupt stuff that's going on and even though i think that this part is less interesting to watch uh if they kind of made it its own film almost i want to say like if this was a separate story it would have been really good because the scenes are written really nicely um and the ending is also written really greatly yeah i love um how dialogue feels to overlap each other in a very realistic way. I mean, if you listen to conversations mm-hmm. in real life, everyone talks over each other. And it's, uh, you know, if you've seen films by the Safdie brothers, they do this too, whether it's Good Time or Uncut Gems. They have a very yeah. uh, chaotic feel to them in the dialogue. Everyone is talking over each other. And it's something that this film replicates in a certain way, that there's always, like, background conversations going on. People are talking over mm-hmm. each other. It's And it feels very real. And yes, maybe some of the wording isn't, perfect or it feels a little too dramatic but i felt that through the delivery and through uh the nuance and everything just felt very fluid and it yeah it was gripping it felt re- real to me it felt like i was watching an actual character not a character yeah. an actual person um i think that this film gains a lot of points for me through the dialogue i felt that everything is really well written especially the final act i felt that the final act especially just the scenes in the high school and stuff they felt really real and very relatable it felt like um conversations i would have with my friends at school um Mm -hmm. just in the way that they're worded the way that they're very like trying to be too cool all of that kind of macho stuff going on um especially the thing about the screenplay for me is that every scene in this film felt meaningful i i i get that it's a fairly long movie it's two hours and 20 minutes but it didn't yeah, why feel we reviewed a shorter one yet every single i know all of our films have been two long. hours <laughs> it felt it felt 
like every scene was meaningful, either for plot progression or character development. There weren't any scenes in there yeah. where I was sitting there and I was like, this isn't necessary. It, it, you know, there were definitely slower scenes, but they didn't feel unnecessary. It's not like in Glorious Bastards where there's some scenes in there that are just like, mm, don't really have to be there or like any other Tarantino film. There, This feels yeah. like every scene, even if maybe there's some scenes that are slower, they all feel very important to the story which is something difficult to Um, do yeah i guess i i'm giving it a six percent out of eight the only issues i have with it are a few scenes just they feel like they they just come on really quickly um another example i thought was like way too quick was him meeting uh the mechanic character you know when he's going to live in the trailer like when they meet on the trails it's literally like he sees him riding the motorcycle and instantly he's like yo you trying to like come work for me and live in my trailer and (laughs) rob a bank with me i was like holy wow you just you trust (laughs) this guy because he's good at riding a bike like he could just report you to the police right now um yeah yeah but i i just thought certain moments were like really unbelievably quick um but aside from that i really liked it uh yeah six percent yeah um, i i was very close i gave it a seven percent all right next category soundtrack so this film is like a mix between uh songs and a score uh like a lot of films um and overall i really like the score uh it's it's very dramatic um but it totally fits the film and in a lot of scenes it's the thing that's evoking the emotion or mm-hmm. at least adding to it like like you said when he's biking you know on the same road as his dad i don't know if i would have cried without that song yeah no. uh, this is I just i really like the, the soundtrack yeah yeah and i really like the song selection too there's some great songs that are used throughout this film um mm-hmm whether it be uh, Dancing in the Dark or, yeah, Dancing in the Dark, Bruce Springsteen, um, when they're, yeah. when, after they robbed the first bank, um, or just, like, little, they're just little songs, um, Maneater, um, that I the felt... The ending song, too. Yeah, the ending song, Prince. Wolves, I think it's called. It, they're just very beautiful. And, yeah, the, mm-hmm. people are going to realize as this podcast goes on that these are the kind of scores I like, where they're simple, but they're also very emotional, you can give me a very, yeah. um, like, large, epic soundtrack, and I'll think it's cool, but I'm not going to give it full marks because, you know, people have said Inception or um, uh, any Hans Zimmer music, The Dark Knight, Interstellar. People yeah. always say that those Hans are, like, Zimmer's the best soundtracks. But, yeah, but I don't think that they're amazing. Yes, they're, they're brilliant in their own way of how they're orchestrated, but I, I don't get emotional through those scores these are the scores that make me emotional just those simple simple but Mm -hmm. beautiful and um really heartbreaking music like for example i was talking about the ice cream scene i really love the song they use there or yeah that theme song that's played like twice two or three times throughout the film really hit me hard and i've said before for me to give full marks to a score it has to be a score that i will go back and listen to without watching the movie and I- i've done this with this score the first time i watched it i remember going back and listening to it on spotify 
And I did it there again this time after watching the film. And there are not a lot of movies I do that with. I can think of maybe five on the top of my head. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like I have to give it full marks because I went back and listened to go. it. So seven out of seven percent. Yeah, uh, I, I'm giving it a six percent. I, I really agree with you. The only thing dragging it down for me is there was like a few scenes with Bradley Cooper where there were these like really weird like guitar chords that they were just kind of playing as like ambience. Yep. Not many critiques of that. So uh, uh, I want to take okay. a quick break and then we'll head into the second half of our review. Okay, and we're back, and we're back going straight with... into production designs and costumes, which is out of 6%. Yep. Th- uh... This is hard for me because, you know, most of this film is on location. There isn't actually a lot of set done with yeah. this film. Um, and I feel bad lowering its mark because, you know, it's not necessary. It didn't need set for this film That's to true. work. So then it feels weird giving it a poor mark here just because they didn't use it yeah also the fact that uh, it's an indie film for the most part it's on location um so i didn't give it obviously i didn't give it full marks and i didn't give it but i i, I was focusing more on costumes here than production design because yeah felt like for sure me too i, I think it's it's unfair to just uh give a film like a one percent if they didn't shoot anything on a set just because they didn't maybe have the budget for that or if they don't need it, mm-hmm. like in this film, they totally didn't need to use sets um, at all, really. Yeah. So I wasn't really too worried about that. Um, and I do like the costumes. I thought at some points they could have maybe switched up a little bit. Like Luke pretty much wears the same thing the entire uh, first act. Like he's got a couple different shirts. But, but overall, mm-hmm. his costumes were pretty much the same throughout the whole uh first act and i actually really yep. liked ramina's costumes as well yeah me too mm-hmm. uh, and the cops uh well i mean they're just police uniforms it's not much there but the the, yeah. the the thing that really stood out to me was the kids costumes um i mm, thought they were super sure. detailed and really well done um especially jason's costume uh i feel like i've literally seen that exact same outfit like at my school so i think they did a really great job you know doing their research on what the kids are wearing um yeah. and aj as well aj's costume yeah, is great. i feel like aj's costumes really fit his character mm-hmm. the other and thing that, i liked about the costumes here uh was the color choices it, yeah. it all felt like it complemented each other really nicely like Again, the crib scene that I was talking about before, uh, they're surrounded by these like pastel yellow walls, and you have the characters wearing um, some like more navy blue slash pastel blue um, costumes, and that that contrast between the yellow and blue uh, really makes each character stand out in the scene. So it's little yeah. things like that that make the costumes a lot more impressive and the color choices. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm giving it a 4% just because I can't really give it that much higher when they didn't use sets for this category. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, 
I thought the costumes and the set design were pretty, pretty good. Yeah, I'm giving it the same, 4%. Um, I mean, costumes at the end of the day were fairly minimal, but they didn't need to be crazy for this movie, and that's the other thing. Production design, costumes, there was nothing crazy about this film that needed anything, but that doesn't make it any less than films that do use huge sets and huge costumes. Like, if you look at Brazil we did last week, which had some crazy costumes and insane set design, I mean, yes, that's extremely impressive in its own way, but you should. I, I feel like we we can't then mark down a film that doesn't need that because yeah, exactly. Um, just not for Brazil, it's uh, it it totally fits what's going on in that film, but you know, for this mm-hmm. film, totally doesn't need it. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, at the end of the day, yeah, I felt like it it didn't deserve anything higher than four percent. So four oh six. It doesn't really do much in terms of innovation or anything. So yeah. Uh, yeah on the other hand, on going into location selection, selection I yeah. felt that this is one of the better films we've seen so far when it comes to location selection, and that's because most of this film is on location, and it's very much finding those beautiful places in just a very bleak suburban area and it's it reminded me of you know films that we do um personally short films because we we don't obviously don't have the money to make sets or anything so we have to go look for places just out in the city out in uh where we live and just find those little snippets of our towns that are objectively beautiful and I think that's something that this film does does really well. Yeah, Yeah. shot on location in upstate New York, actually in Schenectady. Yeah. Um, Yeah. There's some really great locations in here. Uh, Just honestly, every single scene that is outdoors is so purposeful. Um, And while they're not really finding Mm -hmm. anything... uh, How do I put it? Like, they're not finding any, uh, like, crazy like um architecture or something super impressive to look at it's just so simple um it just mm-hmm. looks like a it just looks like a a simple thing anyone could go out and find in their neighborhood but at the same time it's also beautiful like you said uh there are some really yeah. uh great locations but at the same time it it doesn't it's not in this you know unbelievable way like you know mm-hmm. it, it feels very down to earth um, but they really yeah. made them look beautiful. And that's also, you know, partially the cinematography uh, done in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. you know, scenes I, like I, the car I, chase. I love the, to, like, yeah, the car chase. And location is super important in this film because they have a lot of tracking shots. So they can't fake yeah. it. Like, for example, the police precinct, they had to find an actual police precinct because they have the entire tracking shot of Bradley Cooper walking through it, going in the elevator, going upstairs, walking through the upstairs corridor. And you have to use an actual location. You can't just use a little room and decorate it as a police station. And also um, all the banks, I think all the banks were really um, good choices. Especially that the last bank where it had all the... Where she's trying to throw the money over. Yeah, yeah. And that outdoor shot of him on his bike looking at the bank, it's just those little things that are really fantastic. And, of course, this film is called The Place Beyond the Pines, and as I was saying before, the entire town that they're in is surrounded by pine trees. But it's, if you notice throughout this film, anything that's, like, super impactful for the plot tends to happen within 
like the pine trees whether it be mm-hmm. Ray Liotta taking Bradley Cooper out and you're thinking he's going to maybe shoot him. Um, of course, the ending climatic scene between Dang DeHaan and Bradley Cooper. And it's just things like that that, um, I don't know, I think the location selection is pretty much close to perfect in this film. There weren't any moments where I felt that it was uh, lazy. So, yeah, yeah I'm giving I it totally full do. marks, 606, 6%. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm also giving it full marks, uh just the way they did everything was super purposeful and it really worked out and yeah like you said they have to find authentic places because you know they're actually doing these long tracking shots so yeah full marks also the fair i i was listening to an interview by the uh cinematographer and Mm. they use the real uh fair that happens there every year and they had right. to get a map of the fair, and they wanted to map out um, Ryan Gosling's route um, in order to get the the nicest shots through this tracking shot, whether it be the attractions or the uh, the food vendors and all the different lights. So they had this pathway set up towards where the cage is, and just mm. that in itself, that very intense thinking for this like three minute tracking shot of how they can make each frame really. Um, interesting to look at is just showing how much work they put into the location so yeah yeah totally agree full marks well deserved now let's move on to the cinematography and uh oh damn like this movie is so beautiful this film's so beautiful but like Mm -hmm. they cheated okay it's not a bad thing that they cheated but they use the most stereotypical, like, yellow, teal, and orange, teal color palette. Like, every backdrop mm-hmm. is, um like, blue, and all the lighting on the characters' faces is orange. And this is not a bad thing. Like, this, mm-hmm. okay, I'm, it's like saying this in a negative voice, but it's good. Like, it looks amazing. Um, yeah. It's just, you know, it kind of has to when you do it like that. You know, when you're, like, downloading LUTs or something, you got this Hollywood orange, teal uh download packs for a reason um because yeah it makes your film look super super nice uh yeah all the the colors like they you can tell that they just bumped up the contrast in this thing because Mm -hmm. you know with a typical dramatic action flick that's what you're gonna do but it totally achieves that look with this film uh yeah like there's like where we've been talking about there's tons of long tracking shots in this thing and i love it um yeah. yeah the first shot you never even get to see his face um and when you when his face is revealed you know it's it's powerful uh there's a lot of powerful mm-hmm. shots in this thing um yeah uh yeah this is kind of like soundtrack for me a lot of people are going to realize that this is the kind of cinematography i like and i get that they did cheat it somewhat in editing but that doesn't change the fact of how they framed each shot that doesn't change the fact of you know the camera movement and everything so this is the cinematography i like and yes parasite um and a lot of other films where whether you look at blade runner 2049 films that are objectively just gorgeous to look at of course, those are beautiful, but those aren't the cinematography moments that uh, bring out emotion for me. Yes, I think it's beautiful, but it's not going to, you know, bring that that heart into the film that cinematography right. like this does for me. 
Um, and yeah. also, you know, there's something really inspiring about a film that's able to take the budget it has and make something so interesting to look at. I mean, any, well, not anyone, but looking at Blade Runner 2049 had a budget of $185 million. I mean, with a budget like that, of course, you can do something incredible. But when you have a budget of $15 million and, you know, probably a third of that budget is going towards um, either renting locations, extras, and all of your actors, since this is such a huge cast, it's very impressive what they're able to do through this film. And I love how raw and bleak everything is. And of course, people should know by now that I love the shallow depth of field. And this film has lots of bokeh, lots of uh, very intense depth of field. And I also like how it just has this very light handheld feel to the entire movie. Um, yeah. But something I noticed was how it's ma- it, it matches characters' emotion or uh, internal struggles through camera movement. So if you look at the Ryan Gosling act, a lot of it is handheld because of mm-hmm. like what he's what he's doing, what he, his demons he's fighting as he's trying to provide for his family that doesn't really want him to pro- provide for them. Um, and you have Bradley Cooper's stuff, which is a bit more static. Um, and then slowly, as his character begins to uh, go into like the corruption, he's worried about. He tries to rat out his fellow policemen. He's worried about getting killed. All of that. Then it starts to get more handheld, right? And yeah. then as after Ray Liotta and all of them get arrested and stuff, it goes back to static. And it's just those little things that maybe a lot of people aren't going to notice, but it's those little camera choices that really right. show the amount of thought that was put into the cinematography. Yeah, I agree. Um, they shot this thing on 35 mil film, uh, as you do, to get that aesthetic. Um, and yeah, the aesthetics are great. Mm-hmm. I think that the the other thing that this film does really well is once again intercutting long tracking shots or long wide shots and it's not scared to do that a lot of films you know don't use this to their advantage and something that's really stylized about this film that whether it is Bradley Cooper walking through the precinct or that opening tracking shot or all of all of the bank robbing scenes are done in one shot and I love how that cinematography is echoed into the third act in which um Jason goes and steals the oxys from the pharmacy. It's all done in one shot also, which kind of replicates the bank robbing scenes. And it shows the connection between Jason and Luke once again. Also just like, Mm -hmm. yeah, there's a lot of moments in this film that they use the look, they use the cinematography to match things that have happened, whether it's the first time Luke saw the trailer to the first time Jason sees the trailer, it's shot in a very similar way. Then the drone shot of them biking down the same road, all of those things and how they replicate each other is a really interesting uh, use of cinematography. And also I love how it tracks all of the movement. So he uses pans or tilts um, to track a character's movement. So whether it's as simple as someone tilting their head or moving to their side, the camera matches that movement in a very smooth way yeah. that it makes uh, your eyes. It, it immediately, this is something that David Fincher does. It immediately makes your eyes more connected yes, to the actually. screen and more connected to the characters. Yeah. And it's just little things like that that make this film a Fincher. lot more beautiful and very technically impressive. So yeah, I agree mm-hmm. with you. I'm giving it a 9 out of 10%. Yeah, let's move on to editing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I kind of thought the editing was decently weak. Um, mm. I'm just I felt I'm not that the a edi- fan of fade transitions, man. 
I don't like. Oh them. yeah, no that 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 was what marked it down for me is the opening act. They used too many uh, cross. Oh, they used too many fade transitions throughout this whole thing, man. Like, no, the second uh, act had none. I was counting. The second none, act had none, but the third the act third act some. had two. The third act had two, but the first act had a lot, and that was what marked it down for me. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I just some scenes I found that they the the transitions between some of the scenes especially in bradley cooper's act just felt kind of off to me um i think what it was is like when it's transitioning from the hospital to the uh site the the psychiatry place and then to the next scene they're not there's Mm -hmm. no like wide shots it just cuts straight from a medium shot of bradley cooper to another one um, no, but I love that choice because they cut right to a shot of his baby and that connects really closely to the psychiatry scene because she's talking I just to mean, him about I just mean if he has diff- the, the hospital to the psychiatry place. Uh, it's like a, the same shot pretty much. Um, oh, oh and yeah, I, see I think it I, see I think it works kind of, but I don't know. It just kind of threw me off um, how it just jumped locations. And at first I was kind of like taking my bearings like, whoa, what just happened? However... Uh, you got to give points to the color grade, which, you know, is also... Also the pacing. Counted. I feel like this film is paced really well. Yeah, um, I agree. This, I, I, his original film, like his original cut was three and a half hours, which is crazy. Jeez. Um, and he, I, he said this quote that I was listening to an interview and I thought it was hilarious. He said, writing is like dreaming, shooting is like living, and editing is like murder. And I thought that was a brilliant <laughs> quote. That's a good um, Because quote, he said yeah. he sat in that editing room forever trying to cut this film down. Because originally he had a 158-page script. And they said he has to cut it down to 120 pages. And he didn't know how to do it. So he just shrunk the font and widened the margins. And no one caught him. But then he got to the editing room and he had to, he had to cut it down. Um, and I feel this like this film, as I was saying before, there's no scenes in this film that feel unnecessary and yeah for a two hour I mean, and 20 minute film that's extremely I impressive mean, i feel like there's some scenes that are not necessarily unnecessary but just go on for too long without necessarily doing that great um development uh it's, i think that the scenes with bradley cooper especially near the end of his act um Mm-hmm. where he's he's just busted them all there's like a solid 10 minutes kind of before it transitions over to the third act um do you, you have the graveyard scene which you know acts as the transition but also the scene with all the right. the newscasts uh and i like yeah. it but i just feel like all there's so many extra scenes for bradley cooper and i feel like if they just yeah, yeah, yeah. gave more to ryan gosling and just let him be in it for a little longer then boom now i'm super attached to ryan gosling and it's like oh the stuff i really like about editing definitely the house sequence i thought that how yeah. they were kind of parallel editing powerful. gosling in the at the top calling romina and he's like telling her not to tell his son about him and stuff like that hit so hard and they're intercutting that with bradley cooper like looking through the house trying to find him and it adds so much intensity to that scene but also so much emotion also mm-hmm. they do that again with um when uh 
Luke is trying to give the money to Romina, and then they're intercutting it with um, Robin destroying Luke's motorcycle. Yeah. It's just little things like that. that and I, I think that what they do well in the editing in this film is that they aren't afraid to hold on shots. And they aren't mm-hmm. afraid to just let a shot speak for itself. They don't feel like they need to have lots of quick cuts. They let the actors do yeah. a lot of the work. And that's something I've... a lot of films don't have the guts to do. Yeah, so that especially the psychiatry scene I thought was edited really well. Um, yeah, just the, yeah. within the scene. Just because they, they hold on each of the characters for a long time, even while the other character is speaking, especially you know yeah. holding on Bradley Cooper. Uh, they only cut to the psychiatrist a few times. Yeah, uh, I'm giving it a 6%. Uh, yeah, I, I know I was dumping on it. Um, and I originally, when I watched this last night, had this lower. But as I was watching it, the color grade is what's boosting this for me. Um, yeah, it's like so well done. Every mm. single shot is popping. All the colors are popping. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's what's raising this for me. Uh, but I did think this was a decently weak, weakly edited. But you know, overall, I think compared to the rest of the film um, and also the budget. Uh, I got to give them some credit. So yeah, 6%. Yep. I gave it 7%. Um, the only thing for me was really the cross dissolves. And yeah, I do feel that there are a couple scenes that could have been shortened a little bit and replaced somewhere else. But other than that, I felt that this was fairly just well done. So yeah, I gave it a 7 out of 8%. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, move on to acting. Um I thought that these were some very strong performances. Uh, I think that this overall, looking at all of the films we've done so far, I think overall this is the most solid acting from an entire cast we've seen. Yeah, uh, for me, over, I think like, it's between this and Parasite. Yeah, um, I see. Yeah, I see that too. Mm-hmm. I like. I really love the acting in Parasite. Uh, I I thought Bradley Cooper did what he needed to do. Maybe it's just the fact that I wasn't necessarily as interested in his character that uh, hmm. that made me not like his performance as much. Like, oh, I, I, it's not that I didn't like it. I thought his performance was good. But I just think that I wasn't necessarily as entertained during the second act. Um, yeah. So I didn't re- his performance was good, but his character didn't have the emotion and intensity that the other characters in this film did. So I feel like it's his performance is pretty overlooked for me, just because I feel like everyone else was out here pouring their hearts out, and he's, well, yes, he is, you know, getting upset over the corruption. He's not necessarily having yeah, but these intense. I think his performance moments. in the final act, maybe not the second act, but his performance in the final act is really yeah, good. it's it's pretty like just it's that, solid. That scene when he's uh, yelling at AJ in the interrogation room, and he's telling him like he can't not to hang out with Jason anymore like that. And of course that like ending climatic scene where he's apologizing to Jason. Yeah. And he's begging him to tell him if his son's okay. Like I, I honestly think, I think Bradley Cooper gives the most solid performance in this entire cast. Not mm. cause I'm not saying his character is the best cause it's not, but I think performance wise looking at it, it uh, uh, just acting, just acting. I think that right. he gives the most solid performance. I, I think it's either him yeah. or Ava Mendes. I think Ava Mendes gives a really good performance, too. Yeah, Ava Mendes also gives a great performance. Um, also, the teen actors 
Like, where did the yeah? Also, first well, of all, they're not they teens. Were te- well, they were, they were in their twenties. I think they're in their twenties. Actually, the guy who played Jason was like twenty six or something. Yeah, he was like, old. Not not that was, young. Yeah, he was old. But their performances are really great. Uh, I love their yeah. performances, and overall, I think this film has really good performances. It's also just the uh, the script that's giving them this because it's a super dramatic uh, script, so obviously it's going to give them that intensity they need to shine. But I think everybody handled it super well and played their character greatly. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm giving it a 9% out of 10. Uh, mm-hmm. Not quite perfect demise. You know, there's some scenes where I thought the acting was just a little bit weaker. Um not quite enough to take yep. it to that top level for me. So yeah, nine percent. Sure. Um yeah, I thought that everyone in this cast is just immensely talented. I thought it was exception exceptional casting. Um I think that every character individually had so much depth and um I I don't know. I I really bought all the performances in this film. There's not a lot of time where every character including all the supporting casts give solid performances um yeah as i said bradley cooper and ava mendez just the emotion they brought to their character ava mendez doesn't have a whole lot to do but i don't know there's just something about her performance that was really solid um ben mendelson even as um as robin i thought he was really good in capturing his character because his character is this very like easy-go-lucky but with a lot of darkness. And I kind of think how he delivered each line of dialogue was in that sort of way. And he had that feeling to him. And I, I really liked that scene between him and Dane at the end. It was really solid. Yeah. And how he, you could tell in his so eyes, solid. he was getting very nostalgic too. And there was something really And a little bit sad. Because it's not like his relationship yeah. with Luke was perfect. No, um, but they had a connection. They had a connection, even if Luke almost killed him. Yeah, and I like that, you know, if you look at the scene where Ryan Gosling and Ben Mendelsohn, they first kind of meet and first talk, and they're smoking uh, in the pine forest, and then you um, echo that again with Jason and AJ, the first time they kind of meet, they're smoking in the forest, and it's it's very similar, and I, I, I just love how they do that throughout the film. But yeah, as a, I, I don't know... I, I guess I could really nitpick if I wanted to in this film, but I felt overall everything's just so solid that I felt this was worth a 10%. It's not huh. a solid 10%. It's a lower 10%, but I didn't right. feel like it was low enough to be a 9%. So I gave it yeah. 10 out of 10, acting. Yeah, let's get into uh, entertainment value. So... Okay, here's what I'm going to say about entertainment value. I know a lot of people find this film boring. I know. I know a lot of people find this film boring. I don't. <laughs> and even though people say, yeah, the second act is slow, fine, sure. But I don't I don't care. I, I enjoy that second act. Um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's, I, I guess, I get, where you disagree. I get it. The first, the first time I watched this movie, I think I did find it a bit boring. Once again, I was kind of young, and I don't think I fully grasped this film. But I watching this movie the second time, knowing what was going to happen, I I sat there and I was I I took each act as their separate act, and I just enjoyed it for what it was. And yes, there are moments that slow this film down, but overall, 
I, f- I was genuinely entertained throughout watching this movie. Yeah, I mean... I... Uh, just... Like... I don't want to say the second act is boring. Because that's such a strong word, I feel like, in the in terms of talking about a film. But I just think that the story kind of lost me a little bit during the middle. Um, also, just during the first act, like... It wasn't until later in this film that the first act's uh, significance kind of hit me. Because when I was, you know, watching it um, with Luke, I was expecting that Luke was going to be there the whole time. So uh, I was just, I was, I was, I was pretty bored during the first and second act of this film. Not, not, not bored, (laughs) but uh, let's just call it, I wasn't as emotionally attached to this film as I was in the third act. By the third act, I was, you know, I was in it. Um, it, The film Mm -hmm. had me, like, in its clutches. But it just didn't in the first and second act, the way it did in the third. And in terms of entertainment value, like, yes, all the scenes, uh, I guess, they weren't, like, they didn't have a purpose. But for a a two-and-a-half-hour film, you know, all the other films we've watched, uh, yes, they're pretty much all the same length, but the other three have been, you know, either a dark comedy. They're pretty much all dark comedies. <laughs> and yeah. this thing yeah. is like a very dramatic action film is what I would call it. And I just feel like mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily suit it to be that long uh, because the drama kind of gets a little bit stale when you're exposed to it for that long. Um, I think what helps a lot of the other films we've watched is the fact that, you know, you're getting these scenes that are, purely for laughs you know it lightens your mood um it keeps you invested uh but not in a way that's overbearing like this film is uh it's intense like the performances the writing i know it's intense this film is super raw and it's hard to watch sometimes it is hard to watch and but I those, feel like, <laughs> I I know I'm weird, but those are the movies I like. I like the super intense, disturbing, yeah, raw. Yeah, I like films. them too, but I just feel like it's a little too long for me to be really enthralled. Yeah. Uh, I not to say I wasn't, um, you know, like I wasn't like going on my phone or anything during this film. Like it, it was not bad, but I just feel like it could have had me more because it did have me in the third act. And almost watching right. that part, it made me realize that, you know, oh, like, uh, it, it, it made me more emotionally attached to the first and second act just because of the third act. Mm-hmm. Just because of how I think that's possible I that this, I think that's possible that this film is more entertaining on second viewing. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking um, too. <laughs> and I think that definitely raises it because that means that it's a rewatchable film. Um, the other thing about yeah. this film is for me personally and this is very much about my personal taste and movies i enjoy watching this is the film that i enjoyed watching the most of the four films we've done and also all the christmas movies we've we watched um yeah it's it's not because it's i don't i don't know why honestly it's hard for me to say why this is just a very opinion based thing that these are the kind of movies I enjoy. My favorite genre of film is like indie dramas, indie crime thrillers. Those are the kind of movies I love. And yeah, I love Inglorious Bastards, Parasite, um, 
Brazil was awesome. I they're great films, but just on a personal note, these are the films that hit me the hardest. Yeah. Whether it be the cinematography, the overall story. So yeah, I I give it a nine out of ten percent for entertainment value because yeah, I don't know. Second viewing of this uh, movie, and I was possibly more encapsulated than the first time I watched it. So. Uh yeah, I give it a seven percent. Uh, I totally see how I could. Um, be more entertained during my second viewing and i think i will watch this uh, film more than once yeah let's uh get on to overall technical achievement yeah i think people will realize technically that this i mean for me pretty much every technical aspect of this grading has only been down by one percent so yeah um this film technic on a technical basis just looking at it it's very impressive especially for an indie film mm-hmm. uh yeah i think it's technically solid as well um i guess what i have to say is that the cinematography for me is the standout technical aspect to this thing uh the cinematography is just you know it's it's pretty incredible for the budget they had and for the yeah. uh um yeah but i just think that for the genre at least you know looking at other uh i guess not for the uh kind of drama side of this but for the action side at least um i think there are better technical films in that sense but for the drama side of things this film is super technically strong because i think a lot of times uh, when a drama film is popular, it's more because of the acting and the writing. Yeah. Um, and maybe the the technical aspects aren't focused on as much because you don't necessarily need them to be that strong in that mm-hmm. genre. But this mm-hmm. film is super strong in uh, cinematography. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's technically solid. I think the only thing for me is there's tiny sound issues cross dissolves and editing uh yeah. little things here and there but f- i mean looking at my gradings whether i mean looking technically editing cinematography were both one percent lower soundtrack was full marks i i have to give it a 14 out of 15 percent because yeah that's just how it's going overall technical achievement uh i'm giving it a 12 percent, and the only reason for that is I do think that the sound design elements are sometimes noticeably off. Um, And yes, the cinematography is great, but I did feel like the editing could have been a little stronger. So I think 12%. I mean, you're looking at, looking at this film, it's not clean in the fact that, you know, all the other films we've we've looked at so far are very clean uh, in how they're filmed and how they look and how they sound. But then I don't think that's a bad thing in this film yeah whether i mean that's me speaking because i don't really i prefer this look over other films and i mean you're obviously not the same because you're a huge wes anderson fan and stuff and that's very much the opposite yeah um (laughs) but for me uh i like that raw gritty look so yeah but i think this is yeah very much opinion based Mm uh and my total percentage is actually um higher than i thought it would be while i was watching this i do think that this is a great film um yeah so let's get into our total percentages once we've tallied up all our individual scores 
Uh, In total, I gave this film an 81%, which is still very strong. Uh, Yeah, I think I gave Inglorious Bastards an 84%. I think I'm pretty okay with where it landed compared to the other films we've reviewed so far. Yeah, um, for me, this is my highest uh, film. It got an eighty nine percent, so it's. Ooh, I still nice. haven't reached the. I still haven't reached the nineties. I've reached the ninety threshold there. twice. You've reached the nineties twice. I think I was a little too nice to Parasite. Um, looking back, mm-hmm. just because it was our first episode, I maybe would have scored yeah. that lower. Uh, but yeah, I don't think I was too nice um, to Brazil, man. I love Brazil. I was actually my rate my original rating for Brazil was way higher, but I had to take it down because I was like, okay, I'm just being too much of a fanboy for this. Like, I got to lower <laughs> it in some parts. I was being unrealistic. Um, yeah, um, eighty nine and eighty one. I mean, that averages uh, 80, to eighty five. Five, eighty five. Yeah, yeah. So it's higher than Brazil. Higher than Brazil. Uh, and. Um, it's almost at the same level as Parasite. And Glorious so, Bastards is still reigning supreme. Yeah. I think I might have been too easy on Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, I mean, for me, I just, I've seen it so much. Um, yeah, I, I think, honestly, this film could grow on me and actually be rated a lot higher. Because when I was, you know, I was watching this for the first time, so... I was being decently critical on it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would totally rewatch this film. Uh, I think everybody should give this thing a try. Uh, it might not be suited for everybody, but then again, a lot of the films we've watched aren't suited for everybody. So yeah, yeah, I'd give this thing a try. You know, it gets our seal of approval. If it's in the 80s from us, it's probably pretty good. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think for me, looking looking at this film compared to the others being the highest, but not by much. In Glorious Bastards, I gave an 88, so it's just by one. But I think on an enjoyment level, I do think that this matches my overall feel for all of these movies. Um, yeah. All right. Let's so, uh, take a uh, quick break. T- yeah, and we're going to spin the wheel. Spin that wheel and uh, get ready for next week's episode. All right, welcome back. Okay, and we're back, and we are about to spin the wheel. Yeah. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited, too. I'm actually... I can't believe that we're going on to our sixth episode already. Six episodes. Fifth normal review. Uh, Got 100 films on here. Obviously, all the ones we've already reviewed have been taken off. Uh, Really good Mm -hmm. variety. I'm excited to see what's going to pop up, because... Oh, man, there's just such variety in these films. Press and screen record. Mm. And let's do this thing. Put up the volume. Three, two, one. Yeah, here we go. What are we landing on? Hmm. Oh. Oh. Okay. What is it? What is it? So we've landed on a movie called... I think it's called Atonement. Is that how you pronounce it? Atonement. Atonement. Huh. Um, I've seen this movie once. Uh, From 2007? Yeah. Huh. Um, Oh, wow. Oh, oh, this movie. I've never even heard of this. Okay, so this this movie is... 
Oh, it was wow. nominated for Best Picture. Oh. It was nominated for Best Picture. Um, I remember it being a very good movie. I remember it being excruciatingly depressing. Um, wow. Yeah, okay. Um, I'll read the plot synopsis. It's two hours and three minutes. So maybe if you remove credits, it's our first sub two hour. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, here is the plot synopsis off of IMDb. 13-year-old fledgling writer Briani Tallis irrevocably changes the course of several lives when she accuses her older sister's lover of a crime he did not commit. Yeah, um, I don't remember this film that well. I remember it, I I remember the ending, because the ending is, oh man, the ending is something. But I don't remember the film that much. So I'm excited to rewatch it. Yeah, and uh, everybody, make sure you guys watch this film as well, just so you understand our uh, critiques and our comments next week. Uh, This week, we will be adding a requested film onto the list. Uh, Which one should we do? Um, What's next in the line? Rocket Man. Fan requested. Rocket Man. Add it to the list. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. if you guys have any requests, you can DM us at S underscore Q underscore F underscore S or email us at sqfilmstudents at gmail.com and we will add it to the wait list and add it in a future episode and hopefully watch it and review it. Um, yeah, this has been The Place yeah. Beyond the Pines, average percent of 85. Uh, next week we'll be doing Atonement and we hope to catch you all then. Yeah. Thanks, guys, for listening. Happy New Year's, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Slightly Qualified Film Students. Make sure to tune in next week for a new film discussion and review. Our theme song is Slightly Sexy by Thompson Springs. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a like. Send us feedback and comments, as well as your thoughts on the film. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at S underscore Q underscore F underscore S. If you would like to send us a question or a comment for next week's episode, you can email us at sqfilmstudents at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next week. Bye.